0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara, in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Heavenly Father, we come before you into your presence this morning, only by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Lord, it's by that blood that we come this morning to worship you, That we come before your throne of grace to call out to you, Lord. Lord, we are desperate. We need your grace this morning, Lord. We need your help this morning. Oh, Lord, would you push away far from us any cold thoughts towards your son or towards yourself? Oh, Lord, would you lead us to a deeper place of worship this morning of our great and awesome, glorious God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because he alone is worthy worthy to receive all honor, worthy to receive all praise, worthy to receive all glory because he is the lamb that was slain for us who purchased our salvation. Lord, we praise you in his name this morning. We worship you in his name this morning. And in that name, that holy name, we pray, amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat this morning. We have a, a Bible with you this morning. I'd invite you to open it up to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter five, and we're going to look at verse fourteen this morning. If if you don't have a Bible with you, just go ahead and put your hand up, and one of our ushers—they'll be coming down the aisle in just a second here. We'd love to get a copy of God's Word in your hand, and if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to take that home. Let that be our Easter gift to you. Nothing would delight us more than to have a copy of God's word in your home and in your hand. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 14 this morning. But as we're heading there, I just want to set things up for us here a little bit this morning. The truth that is before us today is very serious. And it's of utmost importance. It's not something that we should take lightly, but it is something that is worthy of our full attention. We live in a world today where violence is everywhere. You see it on TV. You see it on the internet. You hear about it on the news. And what happens when violence is everywhere like that is our hearts become cold and our hearts become numb to the sting of it. We live in a world today That is numb to the sting of death. Don't allow yourself this morning. Don't allow yourself to be numb to the sting of the death of Jesus Christ this morning. We are here today to remember Jesus Christ and to worship him this morning. And before we go any further, I think it's necessary to warn you against any cold thoughts of a calculated Christianity that will allow the facts about who Jesus Christ is and what he did to remain in your head without penetrating your heart. That is not why he came. That is not why he died. He did not come. He did not die so that we would have a mere head knowledge of him. But he came so that our hearts and lives would be changed. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross must make you feel something. Maybe it's sorrow, maybe it's grief, maybe it's sadness that turns to joy and relief and freedom, but you must feel something about the death of Jesus Christ because it is not okay to feel nothing. And so let this truth, this glorious truth of the gospel hit your heart this morning. Let's just pray right now. Let's take a second and pause and pray right now that God would open our hearts to the gospel this morning. Bow with me. Lord, I confess the sinfulness of my own heart. Which turns so quickly cold to your sacrifice and to your love. Lord, would you forgive me for that? Oh, Lord, would you open my heart and every heart in this room by the grace of your Holy Spirit? Would you meet us now and open our hearts, Lord, and open our minds to think upon who you are and what you did on the cross and what you have accomplished, Lord? And Lord, would you allow that to penetrate our hearts in such a way that our lives are marked and changed by the cross of Jesus Christ this morning? Oh, Lord, please come and do that for your glory, for your namesake here this morning. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to invite you to consider the death of Jesus Christ. We're going to do that in a minute as we go to 2 Corinthians 5 and look at verse 14. But in Hebrews 12, verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners. And this morning, we want to consider Jesus Christ, the one who endured such hostility at the hands of sinners. Why? Because as we consider him, our lives are transformed. As we think on his person, as we think on his sacrifice, the Lord goes after our hearts, doesn't he? Maybe he's already going after your heart this morning. I pray he is. And as he goes after our hearts, the Lord graciously shows us his glory. And begins to change our lives. And that's what we're praying for this morning. And so come, come this morning, come and consider him who endured such hostility against himself so that you do not grow weary of the gospel. The gospel is the light. The gospel is our life. Let's look at it now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It's a very short verse. You can read it along with me in your own Bible. Verse 14 says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now, let me just make a a quick comment about the layout of this verse so that we understand what we're looking at here. First of all, at the beginning of this verse, you'll notice that there is a statement. Take a look. You'll see it right in your own Bible. For the love of Christ controls us. That's an awesome statement isn't it? We're going to come back to that statement at the end of the message. But now take a look down again. You'll see this right after that, because we have concluded this. There's a conclusion that is made. There's a conclusion that each of us should and must make in our own heart. This conclusion has two parts to it. The first part, that one has died for all. The second part, therefore, all have died. Isn't that a beautiful verse? And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into this verse, and we're going to lay it out, and we are going to see the glories that are hidden in this verse for us. And we're going to worship the Lord as we rejoice in what he suffered for us. We're going to consider this morning the conclusion that is made here in this verse. And as we consider that conclusion that Paul makes in this verse, we must first consider the person about who this verse is speaking of. This is Jesus Christ that he is speaking of. He is speaking of not just a regular person, not just an average man, not just one of us picked out of the crowd, but he is speaking of Jesus Christ, God's only Son, the Lord of glory, the Prince of peace, the light of the world. And the more fully that we understand that and the more fully that we grasp that truth the more significance this season, this book, this gospel, and this day will have in our lives. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 describes Christ this way. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't it? Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 say this, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We are here this morning because... God's son, the light of the world, the glory of God, the radiance of God died on a cross for us. That's why we're here this morning. Maybe you're not positive why you're here this morning, but I can tell you assuredly that you didn't walk in here by accident this morning. You came by divine appointment of the king of the universe to hear this message this morning. And I'm praying that the Lord would open your heart to it. This morning is significant for many reasons. It's significant because of the person who died for us, Jesus Christ, the Lord. But it is also significant this morning because of what he did and what was accomplished when he died. This morning is significant because of the reason for which he died. And so we're going to take some time to look into the reason that Jesus Christ died. And the first thing that we need to realize out of this verse, it's very simple, is right here. It's seen at the first part of the conclusion. And it says this, that one has died for all. From that we can conclude that Christ died once for all. Do you see it there? We have concluded this, that one has died for all. Christ died once for all. Praise the Lord that he died once for all. Isn't that awesome? He didn't die many times. He didn't die repeatedly. He is not dying today. He died once for all. That is awesome. That is a glorious truth for us this morning. And as we think about that, that should prompt the question in our own hearts. Why did he die? Why did he die? He died for sins. He died for sins. He did not die for his own sins. He didn't have any sins to die for. He was perfect, spotless, without sin. First Peter 2.22 says this, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And in verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Christ died for sin. Christ died for my sin. Christ died for your sin. Let the weight of that hit you this morning. Jesus Christ The Holy One, the Lord of heaven and earth, died for your sin. Let it hit you. When was the last time that you really stopped and seriously considered the weight of your sin? I know that's not comfortable. I know it's not easy to think about. But when was the last time that you really stopped and considered the full weight of your sin? Not just that one sin that you think is kind of small that you did a little while ago. I mean the weight of all of your sin, the entirety of it. When was the last time you stopped and thought about that? Sin is not something trivial. Sin is more wicked, more evil than we can ever imagine. Sin is not just the bad things that we do. Sin is a dark power that seduces our hearts and causes us to hate the Lord of life. That's what sin is. John Owen, an old Puritan, said this about sin. Sin is always inclining to evil or hindering from that which is good or interrupting our communion with God. Sin is always acting, always conceiving, always seducing, always tempting. And Ralph Venning, in his book, The Sinfulness of Sin, what a title, said, if we look on our sin through the microscope glass, it will appear most hideous, devilish, and hellish, the most wicked, mischievous, villainous, and deadly thing that ever was. Oh, the sinfulness of sin. When was the last time you considered the weight of your own sin that nailed the Lord of glory? to the cross. I want to ask you to consider that this morning. Consider that this morning, that it was your sin. It was my sin that nailed Christ to the cross. And I want to take a moment right now and dwell here for a second. Because I believe that this truth, we can easily skirt by it and go around it quickly. And I don't want that to happen this morning. And so I I want to take a minute just to dwell here for a second this morning as we consider Jesus Christ and what sent him to the cross. And let me ask a question. And maybe I'll start with this question. Who was it that put Jesus on the cross? Was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? Was it Pilate? Yes, all of these had a hand in it. But listen... What put Jesus on the cross was our sin. Yes, he went willingly to the cross, but he would not have needed to go to the cross if it wasn't for our sin. It was my sin. It was your sin. It was the wicked things that you have done and I have done that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. Every lie you have ever told, every harsh word you have ever spoken, every time you've been unwilling to forgive, Every time you've exalted yourself in pride, every lustful, impure thought you've ever entertained, every time you have known what is good and you have neglected to do it, that sin nailed Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, to the cross. Let the weight, let the weight of that sink into your heart this morning. Let's make no mistake about it this morning. Jesus Christ went to the cross willingly. He chose the nails for us. But each one of us, each one of us in this room had a hand in putting him to death. And as we consider that this morning, let's take a minute right now to consider his death together. We should not underestimate what our sin cost the son of God. Don't underestimate it. Don't think of your sin as light don't think of your sin as merely the bad things you do. Think of your sin as hatred, as enmity towards God, because that's what it is. We Should not think of that lightly. But we also should not think of the death of Jesus Christ lightly either. And so let's take a minute to dwell on the death of Christ. Crucifixion, crucifixion. The way by which he died was the most cruel and torturous means of death invented by the Romans. The Romans used crucifixion to kill people that they wanted to put to shame and prolong their death. In fact, crucifixion was perfected by the Romans in such a way as it would prolong and maximize the pain that a person suffered before they actually died. It was not quick. It was very slow. There are accounts in history of people who were crucified that hung on a cross or hung on a stick that were there for a day alive. Some accounts of even two days alive. Can you imagine the pain, the suffering, the anguish that our Lord endured for us? crucifixion was so bad it was so terrible that there wasn't really even a way to fully describe it there wasn't a full word to describe it and the word that we have called excruciating comes from a latin word that literally means out of the cross crucifixion was so bad it was so horrific that they had to invent a new word to describe its terror Roman crucifixion, it started with a gruesome beating called scourging. And in Matthew's gospel, we read about Jesus being scourged. The Roman scourging would take a whip. It was a short whip. It was a short whip that broke off into various strands at the end, sometimes nine, sometimes eight, sometimes ten. And in that whip, on the end of each piece of that whip... There was a piece of rock or a piece of metal or a piece of lead wrapped in leather. And they would take this whip beforehand and they would beat it into broken pottery, into glass, and into shards of metal. And then they would use this whip to scourge the one who was to be crucified. Scourging was a brutal style of whipping that would completely lacerate the entire back even the legs. One early church father named Eusebius around 300 AD witnessed firsthand Roman crucifixions that were taking place in the empire at that time. And he wrote this as he observed them. At one time, they were torn by scourges down deep to the seated veins and arteries so that the hidden contents of the recesses of their bodies Their entrails and organs were exposed to sight. Our Lord endured that for us. And after that, it didn't end there. After that, he went to the cross. After that, he went to the cross. Let's bring that picture up on the screen. This picture that you see on the screen right now, I know that it is hard to look at. It should be. But this picture on the screen is only a pale comparison of what Jesus Christ himself would have looked like to hang on that cross. Trust me, it would have been far worse had you been there. The International Bible Encyclopedia tells us that the wounds of a person that were crucified, they swelled about the rough nails and the torn and lacerated tendons and nerves caused excruciating agony. The arteries of the head and stomach were surcharged with blood and terrific throbbing headaches ensued. The victims of crucifixion literally died a thousand deaths. The suffering was so frightful that even among the raging passions of war, pity was sometimes exercised. No one exercised pity on our Lord. And I praise him for it. I wouldn't be here before you a saved man if it wasn't for Jesus Christ going to the cross for me and for all of my sin. I want to invite you right now just to set your Bible down for a second and hold your hands out in front of you. Hold your hands out in front of you this morning and take a look down at your own hands. Though you don't see it right now, I want to tell you that there is blood on your hands this morning. Holy, innocent, pure blood of the spotless Lamb of God. It's on your hands this morning. It is these hands that you hold in front of you this morning. It is these hands and their sin that led Christ to death on the cross. It is these hands in front of you this morning that put the Lord of glory to death. We cannot take his death lightly. Spurgeon said this way. I slew him. This right hand stuck the dagger in his heart. My deeds slew Christ. Alas, I slew my best beloved. I killed him who loved me with an everlasting love. Oh, eyes, why do you refuse to weep when you see Jesus's body mangled and torn? Give vent to your sorrow, Christians, for you have good reason to do so. You have good reason this morning. You have good reason to weep over your own sinfulness and what it cost Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory on the cross. You have good reason to do that. Don't hold it back this morning. The hands, the hands of Christ that only worked miracles were pierced by nails. The feet, the feet of Christ that carried the gospel were pierced through the heart of Christ, so full of love for the lost and for the sinful. The heart of Christ was stabbed by a Roman spear. And the head, the glorious head of Jesus Christ wore a crown of thorns for me and you. Let that hit your heart this morning. Let it sink deep within you this morning. It was our sin, my sin, your sin that beat Christ. And that hung him to the cross. He died there for us in our place. And when we consider what it cost Christ to purchase our salvation... I really don't understand how we can think of the gospel coldly at all. This has got to hit your heart. I don't understand how how I can so often talk about the gospel in such a matter-of-fact way as if it was merely an event that happened in eternity past sometime that really has no repercussions for my life today. I don't understand how I can do that, and I hate that I do that at times. Let it hit your heart this morning. Let it sink deep deep within you. Our faith is not based on emotion. But if the death of Christ doesn't bring about some sort of response in your heart, it's unlikely that it has ever penetrated your heart to begin with. How will you respond this morning? How will you respond to the message of the gospel this morning? Isaac Watts, the old hymn writer, wrote, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head to such a worm as I? And to that I say, yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 3.18 It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Isn't that a glorious truth? That Jesus Christ bore our sins on the tree, that we might die to sin and be done with it once for all. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The death of Christ demands a response. How will you respond this morning? This morning is... Significant for so many reasons. It's significant because of the person who died. He is, he was, he always will be the Lord of glory. And he died on a cross for us. But it's also significant because the reason for which he died. He died for our sins so that we could have life through him. But listen, the death of Christ is also significant because of what it accomplished, isn't it? Isn't it significant because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross? Christ died once for all. We saw that in the first part of this verse. Now let's turn to the second part of this verse and see the rest of it. There is a glorious gospel truth here for us in the second part of this verse. Christ died once for all. We read, we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. Christ died once for all. We died with him. Isn't that awesome? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died in my place. What Paul is doing here is Paul is writing in a very short space, a very vast theological truth. That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross... He died our death and we died vicariously through him on the cross. That is an amazing truth that when Jesus died, he died in my place. And it is as though that I died there on that cross with him. Well, what died ultimately, ultimately in the end, Jesus died on that Christ cross to crush our sin in the end. When we are in glory, our sinfulness will be completely gone and removed in full. That's why he died on the cross. But listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we would not be the same people that we are today. And so that we would not be slaves to ourselves or slaves to anything else in this world. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have victory and be forgiven in him. And so what died on the cross? Well, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, my old self, my old flesh died on the cross. It hung there with him. Why? Because I have concluded this, that one died in my place and therefore I have died. And I am not ensnared, praise the Lord, anymore. Not perfect, far from it. But not ensnared anymore to the self that I used to be so ensnared to. It died on the cross with Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer this morning, you can say with all your heart, That when Jesus died on the cross, I died with him. And now I live. I live for his glory. We died with Christ on the cross. And Christ's love, which first converted us, now compels us to live for his glory and for the glory of God the Father. We don't need to live for sin anymore, we don't need to live for self anymore. The love of Christ controls us now if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. That is awesome. Why? Because our sin was nailed to the tree. The debt of our sin was paid in full by the precious blood that our Savior spilt on the cross. And now we can say, that the curse of sin has no hold on us because he has set us free, free to live for his glory, free to live for his honor, free not to live for sin, free not to live for self, but all to him today. Sin no longer needs to control you today sin no longer needs to be your master today. You have a new master today and it is Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, who died in your place on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. And that is awesome. And I pray and I hope that you have concluded as Paul concluded that one died for all and therefore all have died. I hope in your own heart I pray that in your own heart, you have concluded this, that Christ died for you and that when he died, you died with him. Listen, the battle, the battle of indwelling sin rages on. But all that that is, is really the dying twitches of the monster of sin. Jesus Christ has pierced a spear through the heart of sin. And it needs to reign no longer in your life. But by his grace, you can be done with it. And you can live for his glory. Not perfectly, but changed for his glory. And in the age to come, in heaven with him, perfectly for the glory of God. Praise the Lord for all that he accomplished through his death on the cross. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.